Yo, we are fucking back. It's been a minute. This is going to be the most free-flowing pod. We are ready to go. We have too much on our mind. I'm here with my man, Phil. What's going on? Baltics is back. How's everyone doing? We are in the heart of Manhattan, out on a patio deck, taking in the city skyline, and ready to talk about... Housing pizza, drinking beer, smoking jewels, smoking weed... Everything that New York City has to offer, we're living it. We're ready to go. What do we have today? There's a lot on the agenda, okay? Mm -hmm. There is a lot on the agenda. Okay, perfect. I want to start with a little basketball because we are in the midst of it. Okay. This is mid-May. The playoffs are rolling around. We just had the playing game. We just had the playing game. First off, how are we feeling about these playing games? There's been a lot of controversy from players. I personally was very opposed until I was just watching what happened last night and today and Steph Curry hitting a crazy shot at halftime and then LeBron hitting a shot to end the game, I'm kind of sold right now. Meaningful basketball is always welcome, and that's really what this was. Everyone in 2021 right now is so done with the long, drawn-out regular season that let's get right to meaningful basketball, play-in game, boom, boom. I think it's such a positive, and I think it was well-received, although the ratings were bad. The ratings were bad. Yeah, 2.5 mil peak for their for day one. Like, it's really slipping. And that just could be a function of basketball as a whole. We'll see how the playoffs do this We'll see year how the Knicks too. do. We'll see how the Knicks do, which – Lakers mean, in prime time. Yeah. And I could just tell – and this could be a function of my age. I've been, like, less engaged in basketball, I think, ever. I don't know if it's a function of political things surrounding basketball, mm. my age, this pandemic kind of, like, locking me down. And now that I can touch, like – the society around me. I'm just like, why am I going to sit on my couch and watch this game? I think so, a lot of people might have that. There's a bunch of factors that make these things maybe be a little worse than you think, but I liked it. Totally loved it. Great product, brought hype. LeBron was in a like a very intense game right off the bat. So I think overall, really positive. So this is season two. We haven't talked ball probably at all, all mm. year. So I want to just recap a little bit of the regular season and okay. get some of your thoughts. And we're going to do it in context of the playoffs. So we have the Super Team Nets, okay? Okay. And they are plus 240 to win it all. They're the favorite. They're the favorite to win it all. When you have three of the top five most talented basketball players and the regular season is meaningless, that sounds exactly par for the course. And people like me always try to like be a contrarian and nitpick this team and be like, okay, fuck, like, how are they going to play defense? How are they going to do this? They have to play DeAndre Jordan, who's absolute dog shit at yeah. times. Like, all these issues. But at the end of the day, if those three are healthy, do you see them winning? <sighs> I could see them winning. I mean, they're such it's such an overwhelming amount of talent. It really is the Barcelona soccer, Neymar, Suarez, you know, and whoever uh, and Messi, you know, they really have the biggest big three in one of the biggest markets in the world. They move the ball beautifully. They do everything. They're built for everything. So unless someone really comes to body them, I think it's going to be really tough to beat. So let's talk East because the only formidable opponents essentially are the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat, let's just say. Yeah, so the Sixers give them a real problem in the sense that they can get to the hoop. They're very good defensively, and they have Embiid, who's a real unicorn matchup-wise to what the Nets have to offer. So I've seen a good amount of Sixers this year, and they do play well at times, and they do click on all cylinders, and they play defense, and they get stops, and they rely on Embiid's dominance. Sometimes he's putting up 37, 40, 42. He's really good. Mm -hmm. 
But I've also seen the times when Embiid's kind of also, and I've said this before, he does dribble a lot. Yeah. They game plan good against, well against him. And essentially, it's one-dimensional. It's like Embiid. And then I you're saw like, oh. shoulder shimmy shake. And the games like kind of are close, and then down the wire, they just stop and beat, and the game's over, and they lost. Yeah, and, and the thing to point out with the Sixers is always how drastically different they play at home, where they are literally virtually unstoppable. And then, paradoxically, when they're on the road, it's like everything is a nightmare. The role players and, really struggle. They're and they're going to be at home the whole whole way through. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is key and why they probably push so hard in the regular season. And they're plus 750. Do you like that number? I do like that because, again, this is a team that was one bounce away from representing the East the Kawhi year in Toronto. You know, So this is a young, hungry team. Sure. Things are really coming together. The role players, the rookies, everything's pretty nice. So I took a futures. Okay. And I took this third team, I took the Bucks plus 900. And here's my logic. Hit us with I've that. seen them play the Nets. They played them really well this year. Yeah. And to my opinion, they're almost like a defensive big three where they really do get good stops. And if the games get really mucked up, and this is how teams like the Pistons have won when people never thought they could win, mm. or uh, maybe a team like the Celtics even, who were obviously very stacked and good, but they were just super defensive and, and mucked up. Team gritty. I see this potentially being a recipe to that they just like maybe they're not a powerhouse, maybe they don't blow teams out, but they're just like winning a couple enough games to take these games to sevens and then they win. Yeah, and I could see them winning. So at plus nine hundred, I took that number. Totally love it. I like it. I totally love it. Giannis is still one of our top three players in the league. The hate's too far. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's not his fault. The hate for Middleton, it's also like not his fault. So I totally like the value, and I think they could be a real sleeper if anyone gets injured, that they just squeak right into the finals. Totally. And they're fresh, battle-tested, ready so to go. Would you, now we're going to transition to the West, but would you take – if you had to pick a conference, West versus East, which one would you choose to win the championship? I would choose the East. I think fresher, younger – hungrier, more motivated teams. LeBron got his ring last year. What's going on with the Clippers? What, the Suns, are they for real? You know, so I would say the East. Yep. Uh, I would agree with that statement. So now let's transition to the West. The favorite out West is the Lakers at plus 375. Hate it. Limping down the stretch. They yeah. limped last night against the Warriors. Hate it. Uh, who's, a, quite frankly, a pretty shitty team. But they Warriors. did come to play. They played very well. Seth came to play. They're as familiar with the situation as any team could ever be. But at the end of the day, this is a banged-up Lakers team. Anthony Davis looks lost. He either looks worn down, injured, or just like a pussy. He just looks like a bitch out there. Yeah. You, you look like a bitch. So that's where we're at with the Lakers. Could they win it all? Of course. I would more cap them around the plus 700, maybe a little bit higher than what I would rank Milwaukee. But plus, what would you say, 375? Yeah, insane. So the, here's the only counter to this is because I've been around long enough and alive long enough to take these shitty fucking Cavs teams some years yeah. in the East. And yeah. you're just like, there's no clear opponent. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I'm going to take Toronto. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, but then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, the Cavs didn't look that good. No, they didn't. But they still don't have a real opponent and they just won. So how do you feel about that as far as the angle to take the Lakers? When LeBron, I mean, and we count out LeBron every year and he proves us wrong, but it does look, man, like he is still <laughs> we always do this every year, but he looks slow. He looks completely Whiny. disheveled. He's manic on the court. There could be some, like, allegations coming out, like some sort of OJ style 
like I don't know. He's in the sex trafficking ring. He's never in know. the Looney Tunes. Like I just don't know if the motivation is there this year. He could pack it in and do fucking Taco Tuesday and Twitch streams and be happy this summer while Giannis is grinding at the teeth for his first title. Okay, let's go into the second. So then it, it takes a bit of a drop there. We got Clippers at plus 600. I don't know what's up with them. I just think it's a broken system. I see them breaking up after this year. I think it's a complete mess. They're not bad. They're still a very formidable team that can win it all. But just gel-wise, chemistry-wise, the whole cohesion of the team, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with me. I think you nailed it because there hasn't been one second this year where I'm like, fuck, I'm kind of scared of the Clippers. They haven't clicked for a moment. Kawhi is way past his prime and he's checked out and we never mean to diminish these guys to be like he's bad he's one of the top 15 players in the world but he is not who he was and paul george is not who they thought he was a hundred percent and the most notable thing about Kawhi, and this is something that i saw the other day lebron has a better defensive rating than Kawhi at this point and it's just an effort thing and that's just weird just to even think about that. And that's also it, the eye test passes this too. You look at Kawhi and he is relaxing on defense. That's not part of his game. Like he's got to be out there grinding. And we do this with Kawhi as well every year where we look at his regular season effort on D and we make a judgment on his playoff D and it's not the same. So I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's someone who's been in the playoffs every year where he's just like another fucking regular season with my uncle. Like we want to be fucking smoking, lolling and not doing this. Now we're in the playoffs. Maybe it's a different story. People say they look better with Rondo. I haven't seen enough of him out there. Rondo's a corpse. But they, people have said they move better with Rondo. Out Rondo's there. a corpse. Okay, so I'm going to retract that statement. Okay. Now, this comes to where my play is at. Okay. And I took the Jazz at plus 300 to win the West, mm-hmm. uh, plus 750 to win the championship. They're just as solid a team as they can be. I don't think they'll get it done. Mitchell's a fucking bitch himself. I just don't see them being game enough to grind out a seven-game series against these really tough, experienced teams. Again, I just saw the value. My logic is they're going to have home court. If the Lakers just aren't it, then I'm like, who am I looking to? And I'm like, this team could beat up on pretty much all these other teams if they're just locked in and playing defense and rim protecting. And I'm just like, okay. And from an offensive point of view, they put it down. It could be a six-point game, and then it's a 20-point game. And then the the defense, we know they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. So that's what happens in the playoffs, where it's just like, oh, my God, it's a four-point game, and then it's an 18-point game, and the the stars aren't coming back in. And that's what I'm always looking for. I'm always chasing that 2014 Spurs team, where – they're hanging in the game, and then all of a sudden, Patty Mills just chucks up two threes, and the avalanche hits, and you're just like, game's over. Joe Ingles, all these guys. And they, they just, do that. Clarkson, right? They just throw it in the hoop. Um, outside of that, it's over. They're not giving a lot of Suns love, 18-1 to one to win the championship. They had a great year, but they've kind of cooled. Do you give them a shot? I would they, love to give them a shot. I love Cam Johnson. I love a lot of these guys. They peaked a tiny bit early. They're a really good long-term team with a great foundation. Chris Paul has been a notorious choke artist. Is this his John Elway year? Is this his Dirk Nowitzki year? So I think the storyline's there for him, and I think they're a huge question mark. They have huge boomer bust potential, and I wouldn't be surprised by any outcome. If anyone was wondering what that sound was, that was the sound of opening up a Bitburger German Pills. Are they a sponsor of the pod? Um, they are official sponsor of the pod. Hello. They just paid us like twenty-five grand yeah. to say that. So. so we're doing better financially. We're gonna have a little bit more money, maybe to get some microphones. Thank you to what is it again? Bootbacher? Bitburger. Bitburger. Bitburger from uh, Germany. It's Germany's number one draft beer. 
Okay, great. And Thank that you. was an ad. That That's was an ad. ad. That's as organic as an ad gets, by the way. That's we wouldn't give you. We wouldn't. We're not one of those podcasts that's going to be like we love this just because they're our sponsor. We love this. I bathe with it. I I I do baths with it. I do showers with it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Bitburger from Germany, number one handcrafted beer. Facts. Um, Facts. So that's the West preview. Let's talk a little bit of the MVP race. It's pretty much over, but one thing that popped up to me yesterday was Jokic is a 130. We've been always big about these stats. 130-111. Dude, what the fuck? So when you have a plus 19 spread, you are such a positive player for your team on a 100 possession possession basis that your team is going to win and that's case in point what we saw he's amazing it's some of the best offensive numbers of all time he kind of gets a bad rap for being a bad defender it's not really true he's kind of like a 2.4 109 on d so it's completely not true and he's just he's the clear-cut mvp crown the champion yeah he is the 100 mvp and it was just a great year from basketball standpoint and from this perspective is you just had moments for so many guys like curry was balling then Embiid was balling. Mm. Then Jokic has just consistently been balling. LeBron been was balling. LeBron was balling. Chris Paul was balling. Totally. And uh, Mitchell was balling. And not that totally. he was in the conversation, but the team was balling and he was leading. And it's just like, it's been really fun um, from that perspective. So with that being said, parity in the league, high level stuff. It is the cap working? Is Are we creating a parity situation? So the original aim, as I understand it, of the reasons they made the salary cap or the CBA as it's presently constituted was to give some degree of parity, to give small market teams a chance. Unfortunately, what's happened is smart GMs have gamed the system. They have dislodged the game theory to a point where the system is completely broken. Teams are signing Blake Griffin for 400 thousand dollars so i think it immediately needs to get ripped up we need to abolish the cap and we have super teams now so if it leads to super teams it's already happening so i want to run a, a concept up by you um and maybe you're familiar with this is we so first of all relegation love you love relegation but what's going on in soccer right now and is that a pro product of their problems that they have in their system? So we are, we're not the biggest soccer fans, but what I can say is American ownership owning foreign, uh, foreign teams and then having like the insight to know what those teams want to do is clearly a disconnect. So I wouldn't say that the relegation system is the problem as much as American ownership of, of English premier soccer teams was the issue. So I think you bring relegation into the NBA. It creates this excitement and community amongst the fans where it's like, oh, we're in Division One. Oh, we were a Division Three team. Now we're in the big leagues. Oh, my God, we're playing the Lakers. Oh, my God. And that level of excitement is something, something that a community can get excited about, get behind, and feel like they're a part of the team. Okay, what about getting more socialists with the system? <laughs> and this is my pitch for more socialism is just doubling down on it. Okay. When a player leaves, let's say Durant leaves Oklahoma City, even if he signs a free agency, mm -hmm. there has to be a compensatory, whatever yeah. the word is, picks How they and other baseball. things. Exactly, given no matter what. So no matter what, if you draft a guy, it keeps the system churning. I think it's a great idea. And if it was layered into a new CBA, I think it creates a game dynamic that can totally work. That way, even the player himself can't be like, who, I'm gaming the system because my future is mortgaged at this place. Every time I leave, I'm mortgaging their future. And it's like these guys don't want to be viewed as the villain. If you get drafted by Oklahoma City and you want to live in L.A., 
you don't want to be viewed as a villain because you leave. This would take some of the burden off the player and empower the team that they're still going to get some compensation when their superstar goes to a more reasonable market. Yeah, so I've been refreshing my phone the last 20 minutes and still showing Knicks at 100 to 1 odds to win the championship. What the fuck? And is I'm just like, ref- let me just refresh one more time. Hold on. I got something to say on politics. This team, this city, they have a shot. Crickets. This team, this city, they have a shot. Talk to me about what you've seen from the Knicks this season. What what are they offering the people of New York headed to the postseason? And what are their chances of winning it all? All right, so what's happened this year is people say Randall's been in the gym. False. When you're on 34th and 7th, you're just in the mecca, bro. Is he doing curls on the light, like on the He's traffic like, dude, light? I need to stay in shape to eat fucking Prince Street pizza. For him to do that causes him to fucking work out hard, bang a lot of girls. He's married. But he still girls. might be doing that. He still might be doing that. And Randall's transformation has been insane. And I Is he the most improved player in the league? He is the most improved player in the league. And one thing I'll say, I'll give you a power ranking of my top three most professional team basketball teams of this year. Okay. When I say pro teams, they come to work. Yeah. They grind. Super professional. Number one is going to be the Utah Jazz. Okay. Number two is going to be the Phoenix Suns. Okay. And number three is the New York Knicks. And can you expound a little bit on why? Because I've watched them. Yeah. They show up. They compete every night. Yeah. They actually, like, rotate the ball, move it in the corner, dish it to RJ. RJ cuts, dribbles baseline, defense collapses, kicks it out to the corner. D-Rose penetrates. It's just great. And it's as really a New good. Yorker, as a New Yorker, how do I have a right to be fired up about the snub of all snubs that Tim T- Thibodeau was passed over for coach year. Do I have? It's not over yet, but it looks like it's over. I thought it got announced. No, it was like the AP, like oh, some, some bullshit, bullshit, oh, okay, thing. But it's it's gonna be Monty something, Williams. Monty Williams. Yeah, okay. that's what it's looking like. Okay. Um, so that we have hype. That line is atrocious. They need to put a little respect on my team's name, and we'll see everyone in the playoffs. This is a team that plays D. Yeah. They don't give up. They're not entitled to anything. They're not flopping around. Listen. I took even money for them to win the series. That's a wrong line. And you're looking out. Look, do you see all these? Look what I'm. Are you seeing it? We are outside right and now. I'm seeing thousands of people in their apartments, and they're all fucking getting pumped for the game. And there's just Knicks flags. Hanging yeah, there's from energy. All the there's a manifestation in the city. People, it's kind of like when you're at a European soccer game and you hear the boobies yeah. out there. <laughs> it's a very similar atmosphere. Okay, but hold up. Yo, so question. Yeah. I took Knicks at even money to win the series. That's a wrong Who line. Who are they playing? Atlanta? The Hawks. That's wrong. It's a joke. That's a bad line. Three games in the Mecca, 18,000 sold out capacity. Sold out within minutes. Do you know the the, the energy c- coming from that stadium is going to be like if you took a pumpkin and you started blasting fucking radiation through it. And it was, boom, boom, By the way, you know what the halftime show is? It's Cuomo vaccinating de Blasio. No, Fauci's literally pulling down his pants <laughs> okay. and like a bull is coming and just railing him from behind. Yeah, that's good. It's going to be insane. I, As a New Yorker, I would like to see some more thespian theatrical halftime shows. I've seen the, the Asian woman do the cuff on the head enough. I want to see Cuomo injecting, going in a line, kind of like a chest simul. Like with a, not with, even your arms, just like in your like neck <laughs> artery. Well, you know the thing about heroin, you really want to find the veins yeah. to get the most like true experience. Exactly. So it's very similar to, I call it Moderna. <laughs> yeah. it's Moderna. It's, it's, you know, it's two 
light plunges into the arm. You you know, it's like a lot of facts and science. So I don't want to bore the crowd with it, but I want him to admit it. So this is going to be a four hour pod. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about vaccinations and what's been going on. How do you feel about like these mass produced commercials from the government telling you like, get out, get vaxxed, lovey-dovey people like holding hands and like, like drinking the vaccine fluids. Okay guys, here we go. So this is my personal opinion. I'm not a scientist. This is my personal opinion. I think they did as robust trials, each company, and I studied them very closely, they did as robust trials as they could. And the results were overwhelmingly successful. So if you were an at-risk person, I think without a question, you should get the vaccine, especially if you're an older person. However, when you cross-reference the math of the fatality rate, the risk to a young, healthy person, it is not outweighing the potential long-term effects of an experimental vaccine. So I would say anyone who's high risk, get the vaccine. It's absolute nonsense what they're saying about herd immunity. Of course, we're going to reach herd immunity. We're going to reach it soon. It, herd immunity requires that you're over like 30 to 40 to 50% to stop the, the virus from bouncing around unfettered. So I think almost anyone should get it, but anyone who doesn't want to get it, get the fuck out of here. It, I believe women have a right to abortion, to choose their health. So do fucking I. Stop doing these commercials. I was scared to get the vaccine, but then I wanted to save all my students. Shut the fuck up. You were not scared. You're doing propaganda for the government. It's extremely, like, it's extremely nasty and scary as someone who believes in individual rights. And that's what I think about it. Very interesting take. And I think it's very well thought out and appropriate to say something like that. And... To your point, like the whole my body, my choice thing goes out the window. We've got to apply consistency to some things. If we're going to say my body, my choice, then motherfucker, my body, my choice through and through. And they're, you know, let they people do not choose know if the, they want to do it. What is unknown about any vaccine is the potential long-term effects of that vaccine. And we saw this, and I hate to get technical, when they were reviewing the telomeres of the mice in the laboratory, they realized that it was Basically, the mice that they thought were being representative of, the, of a human population were built in a lab and they were coming up with unrealistic results of what would happen if you ran it on humans. So my point being, the unknown is what the vaccine might do to you in 10 years. What if, it, if, you, if you develop something horrible, you know? So I would just say if you're at risk at all, if you're older, 100% get it. If you are younger, make your own decision educate yourself about the math the facts and the studies and this pod we bring you the rush limbaugh takes we also bring you the alex jones takes yeah and that's why we're coming up with at, at you with right now just that fresh raw real uncut yeah everything you need to hear and so while we're on the topic of covid masking so maxing the masking the C cdc now says one day you've got a max, the next day you're free and you don't have to mask. And now everyone's flogging through flowers saying, oh my God, no mask. But the day before, they were telling everyone that you're a criminal if you're not having a mask on. How do you feel about how we went about this whole like masking policy? So I would say the CDC is in an impossible situation where they have to in real time analyze data and make global decisions. So With I'm, a lot of political influence going its way. Totally. So I don't mean to be so critical. However, basically... What we've seen is variants of the COVID-19 vaccine go through society irregardless of if that individual society is masking to the fullest degree. If they're not masking, it doesn't seem to make any difference. So basically, after I've gone through a year and a half of masking, I don't think it works. I don't think it's effective anecdotally 
and just empirically at slowing down the spread of COVID-19. I think it was always a virtue signal as a, as a way to say, I'm not killing my neighbor by this autoimmune, I don't mean autoimmune, but this airborne inf influenza. And it's it's complete bullshit. And I think basically you're, if you're saying masks work, why didn't they work in India? Yeah. And I just want to say the best way I want to express myself going forward, I just want to wear like a mask in the form of, of a thong while I'm just like walking down the street. So people know, one, I'm fashionable, but two, I support masking. Would you be safest if you had a mask over every single hole on your body, on your ears, three on your mouth, one on your dick, and one on your asshole? Yes, and I think that's also the best way I can signal to my friends like, hey, yo, I care about science, but I also am here to party. So it's kind of like- And I, I care about you. And because I care if about you, you. Because the, the allegation from the radical left is if you don't wear a mask, you are basically taking an old person and putting them in a guillotine and not letting go. Like the ref is like, get off, get off. And you're just rearing yeah, it. That's so, what they tell you. So that's doing. the, we're in this most polarizing situation where there is science, but the science is so like, it's very hard to say definitively, this is working and this will do this. And, and that brings us to like another whole idea, which is like the whole idea of the science. There's no such thing as the science because it's like the same thing. You can go to four different doctors when you want to get a heart transplant. Okay. You go to get to another doctor and get a second opinion. Are you saying that the first doctor is saying that he doesn't believe in the heart transplant science? No, no he does. But there's many different ways to look at certain, certain things. And at the end of the day, we have to respect that humans can take data and interpret it differently. And let's respect that. And I respect anyone on one side of the aisle that wants to interpret it one way, but let other people also have a different way of interpreting it. And that goes with global warming, that goes with pandemics, that goes with everything. There are multiple ways to look at certain situations. Not saying your way is wrong, not saying my way is right. I'm just saying, let's respect each other for having different ways of looking we, at the science. And that's totally true, dude, and I agree. And a lot of these terms were weaponized during the Trump presidency. Science, facts, truth. These are all broad things that you can come to an understanding as a society, but there can also be a gray area. And because of the polarization by the hard left and the hard right, we are in this crazy polarized time where everyone is either afraid to give their opinion because it's not this 1984 truth, or if you, if you don't go along with the 1984 truth, you're going to lose your job. So we're in a really tough spot and hopefully the overwhelming herd immunity with the vaccine, with all these preventative measures are going to work and we're going to return to some degree of normalcy. Okay. So one thing that's happening right now is Bitcoin has absolutely tanked. And crypto. Let's say crypto. Crypto. Crypto has tanked over the last couple of weeks. It's maybe down 30, 40% or so. It, you could say that. From the highs. Yeah. And let's say 30. It's such a hot topic of conversation. You now have CNBC weighing in on this stuff daily. Yeah. You have a whole internet culture that's coming on and pumping. And you have kids on TikTok telling you as an as a tick as a Bitcoin analyst, I'm here to tell you by people on Twitch. You have people on Twitch. And it's really this new way of society that I'm seeing where um, everyone has a platform now and everyone's become an expert in their own right and masses are being swayed by public figures how do we feel about what's going on with the sways the information coming out how do we feel about that and how do we feel about just like the assets itself so we're going to do a little history lesson for the politics audience we're going to start from the beginning and if anyone wants to correct me about small minute details send i will us an email. send us an email send us a flicker send us a whisper on twitch basically 
Satoshi Nakamura, 2009, he says, we need to make a decentralized currency. The banks are full of shit. There's no, you need privacy. This is a digital world. Bang, bang, bang. Bitcoin starts moving. It's not really doing well. It's incremental, very, very slow. Vitalik Buterin comes along. He's like, Bitcoin is genius. I'm going to spin this off. Here comes Ethereum. Now we have two huge crypto projects. What are these crypto projects? Basically, they are a consensus mechanism of smart contracts. What does that mean? It means when you want to get something done and you need to pay someone for goods and services, you use this mechanism to authenticate your transaction. It is no different than when you build a house, they give you a sack of cash and you put that cash in the bank. Why is this better? It's better because we are cutting out these disgusting banking industry, this disgusting financial institutions in America and globally who have become extremely corrupt, who have become extremely predatory. And the US government, for example, is pumping the dollar every single day. Inflate, pump inflation, you know, inflation's going up and going up. Totally. So we need a mechanism that is completely decentralized where one central power source does not have the influence to make those kind of huge uh, changes. And that's why organically, or just as a society, we need cryptocurrency. So everything that you just spoke about is about the application of these coins. Correct. And I a hundred percent agree. I work in banking. Perfect. I do wires. I, you want me to tell you guys how wires works? Yeah. You have to literally get on a phone and verify the other person on the other end. You send a, uh, uh, uh this number. And then on the other end, the, uh, the person has to verify. And you're aware that that is the core, one of the core things of crypto, that it is simplifying that process times a hundred and validating it through a network of nodes who are checking that it's legit. You understand that, right? Yes. Okay. And so what I want to say is I understand its application. Okay. But after the break, I want to come back okay. and tell you why I am highly concerned about not the application of Bitcoin, but what the consumers and the investors are using and manipulating to. We are going to bring you part two very shortly. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And we are back with part two, Epic of Gilgamesh podcast, politics podcast. I was kind of explaining the application of cryptocurrency and Jordan was gonna kind of get into the bigger meta, the hot tub meta of the situation, hit us with it. So everything you said about application makes total sense to me. I work in banking. I understand it. Wires suck. And I, I, you know, when you're, if you're in Nigeria and you're trying to save your money and go to a different country, it has value to have a source in which you can have a transferable currency that can be applied across borders. I agree with that. But here is the problem, how people are treating this and manipulating it and hoarding it. And it's not a free flow of cash of ins and outs of transactions that's creating its value. That's not what's creating its value. What's creating its value is solely uh, speculation, nerds on the internet telling you that this is the most important thing, that this shit coin is gonna be the next great thing. And at the end of the day, I have extreme concerns with this type of mentality. It reminds me something and now this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of a history lesson. Hit us with it. Back in like 1400s Holland. Okay. The Dutch Empire. The Dutch Empire. There was, the Romans brought over this beautiful flower called the tulip. They have never seen anything quite like this before. 
And when they brought over, they're like, this is the most beautiful flower. It could withstand winters. It's an amazing flower. What happens was people started pouring into this flower saying this is a storage of wealth. It's an it's a representation of wealth. And there's never been anything like this before. In one whole year, the price of the flower, let's just say for terms that we understand, went from $1 to like 40 times people's average income. So in hold, price let, me of do the math, let me do the math. $1 and then it did 40 times that? Well, I don't know. And so it's $40. Okay. You go, you let's go, just go. pretend. I don't even know. No, that's good. That's I'm good. just throwing out some bullshit. 40 times. Here. Okay, I got it. At the end of the day, what happened, and this was the first sign of every bubble, they end up coming back to exactly their initial price and what their actual value is. And that's what's going to happen is once you realize Tulip has application. Once a, a Tulip are bought for prettiness, people like to put them in their houses. And once Bitcoin is used for its application, it's going to come back to its actual value. Not what's being done today, which is complete herd bubble mentality. So this guy is comparing a lapel pin to the most revolutionary piece of technology that we're going to be able to integrate into society that's going to improve society so vastly in a number of sectors that it's going to prove its worth. This is not a lapel pin. This is not a flower that you put on your shirt to show your social status. This is going to be something that is going to help the average citizen of the world be self-sufficient, be part of a community where they can store wealth, create wealth, create projects, create initiatives on and through and be empowered by it. It's going to open up doors through the same exact thing that I just said. So I think the false equivalency or even just to equate a flower that got hyped. And I see the hype is this the common denominator that had a lot of hype at 40, at 40x. This has a lot of hype, internet memes at 40x. Sure, I see the connection, but why are you discounting that I'm not discounting. Okay. What are the majority, in your opinion, of people buying this for right now? I couldn't speak on it because as a decentralized thing, I could, it's impossible to know the motivation of... From your feel of the internet, do you I, feel like people are hoarding and manipulating and trying to make a buck and flipping and flipping the, way, the ebbs and flows of this? Or are they actually trying to buy to then integrate into your application you so eloquently... So there's a major distinction in cryptocurrency between like, and I'll just put it in simple terms, the coins that are really going to have some fucking muscle power in the next 20 years and shit coin. Come rocket dumpster coin and pancake swap are probably not going to work. Okay. And this is a space very similar to the dot com boom where there's going to be about 10 to 15 major fucking winners. Twitter, Facebook, MySpace ended up fucking up, but they were a major winner in the beginning. So so I'm not trying to say come rocket dumpster coin is something that you're going to be going to your Bank of America and swapping for petty American cash. But what I am saying is when you introduce what Vitalik Buterin put in the Ethereum white paper, when you think about quadratic voting... Let's stop. Explain the Ethereum white paper. It's not something I can explain in like layman's terms. It's There's very, no layman's term of the white paper? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be something that you can... That, that consumers and people that are selling goods and services can all link up on gate that can legitimize it 
that can legitimize the chain in a way that you can buy something cheap, you could sell something cheap on it, and you can cut out, hey, I have to pay this 50 cent fee. There's no fraud, there's no ability for any of that. There is a major fear of gaming the system, and that is what the decentralized element aims to do, that that a, that a, a hacker or someone like that could get in and get 40% of the coin and sell it and manipulate the price. These are obviously concerns, but Vitalik, the people at Bitcoin, the people at uh, Tron, the people even at XRP, which is a shit coin. The people at all these coins are the smartest people in the world. The people at Sol uh, whatever, all these new cryptocurrencies, these are the smartest people in the world. And they are working on ways to stay ahead of the hackers and to make these things work and be uh, true to what they are meant to do. So when you talk down about some of these shit coins, once upon a time, Doge was a shit coin. Doge was literally a shitcoin. But what happens was you have these pumpers, a.k.a. Elon. Sure, AKA, he is, he is. A.k.a. Dave Portnoy. Yeah. These are pumpers. And what they do is all of a sudden they just say something and everyone runs because why? They know that by them running yeah. and more running yeah. and the same thing to the, to the to the moon movement that happened with stocks that is inherently wrong about the purpose of the stock market you're seeing this happen with this. And at the end of the day, all these people are going to get burnt because when you need to buy groceries, your reliance on Elon Musk's tweets is not going to get you these groceries. But there is an element, and I want to pose this to you as this is something I think you're missing about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, and let us let me just uh, digress for a second to talk about the dollar. Why is the dollar what you think it is? Why, when you go to a market, is the dollar accepted for what it is? That is because there is this consensus amongst everyone in society that the we'll dollar accept it. that will accept it. So to go back to what I was saying, basically what's happening is this is the revolt of the 1800s with, with pitchforks, right? This is people basically being like, you know what, JP, you know what, Jamie Diamond? How about you shut the fuck up? We're gonna pump AMC. We're gonna pump Dogecoin. And Elon Musk said the perfect tweet, the fake currency the people who were in charge pissed us off so much that the fake currency became the real currency. And that is a, a product of consensus and, and what it aims to do. Let's speak about what Dogecoin in its mission statement aims to do. It's a simple hacky thing. It could, it's everything is malleable and can change and evolve and adopt proof of work to proof of stake to avalanche, whatever mechanism you want for distributing the coin. But what it is right now is something that can be used on digital platforms as a tipping currency. And I can totally see that being mainstream adopted where everyone is just like, oh, you tip in Doge. Like that's what you do. Oh, you're doing the valet here. Uh, everything's gonna be electronic. So I don't wanna hear about your paper money. There's gonna be some sort of swiping mechanism. Oh, here, there's half a Doge, whatever. Everything's relative to inflation or whatever. But I can totally see something that did start as a joke, being a fuck you to the establishment, gaining huge steam, and then finding its niche in society. Okay, so I am totally fine with that. And like I said, once the application happens, when you have an actual normal flow of transaction, then you can actually value its worth, but you don't have that. And right now, there's no such thing as a normal but flow. But the 24 hour volatility of these coins is in the billions. All these people aren't going to have the interest in it if it if it actually turns into its application. Do you do you understand that? Totally. And I am not the naive. people that are in it now. They're going to say, 
well, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for because it's a limited amount and it only goes up because more but people want to buy the limited amount. But most of these most people aren't going to be buying the limited amount. They're going to be equally buying and selling the limited amount. Once it has a low. But do you understand that they're in Bitcoin, and I'm speaking very broadly, there was a starting supply. And when you do transactions, the, it goes down in a pyramid cycle. Yes, if more people are using this thing, it's going to go up, but it's going to find a plateaued number. But because there is a ever lessening amount of them in circulation, because they do, at least in some coins, there's this element, once you burn it in a transaction, it's not available anymore. And that creates a, a reverse triangle where the bottom is scarcity. And as you're going down the elevator shaft to the bottom, it creates this mechanism of demand. I hear you. Now let's comp it to gold. Here's the thing about gold. At the end of the day, if you told me gold is worth zero dollars, I would say, well, no, it's not. Gold has some great, beautiful qualities. One, we know people think it looks really nice and shiny to put on pieces Thanks. of jewelry and things like that. Also, too, it has certain qualities that I can't speak of, but it is supposedly a really good, strong, malleable, great metal. If we needed to put it in machinery or if it became totally useless in jewelry, you would have other applications. At the end of the day, Bitcoin's only application right now is what is the next person willing to pay you for this coin? So let me elaborate. That's not good. Let me elaborate a little bit on what will be achievable. And I'm just going to speak very narrowly on the blockchain of Ethereum. Ethereum so you're kind of saying, how are we going to use this and it be like revolutionary and really make a fucking difference? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying once it is reused and revolutionary, I could have some interest. And I don't think at that point when it has that interest, because it's a free flowing thing, the people who are so crazed about it now, it won't have that but they don't, same appeal because the appeal now is to hoard and right. skyrocket and make the money off the flip and buy the dip. And, and, and everyone's, by the way, when you're buying and it dips and there's people who are selling and losing. So there, right. that whole thing is just... But let me speak to you about an aim of, of Ethereum. Basically, do you think when you vote for president, your vote is representative of you? Are you a, like are the things you believe in being realized by your vote? I hear what you're saying. So, and so no. So on crypt on Ethereum, Vitalik in 2018 put out this paper, basically saying, "Hey guys, through the Ethereum blockchain, and I don't understand 100% why it needs to be connected. It just is. We're going to be able to implement." quadratic voting and quadratic systems. And these systems are going to be revolutionary in, hey, if you actually want the legal drinking age of 16, your vote is going to be triangulated in a way and in a way that will be way more representative than when you go to the polls today. So can you value that as a Dude, you keep pitching me on the application. I believe in the application. My problem, these all sound like beautiful concepts. And yeah. theories. The problem isn't the application. Yeah. It is what is happening and what when poor do you think the price should be then that's exactly the thing there okay so now we can now measure it against stocks tomorrow you tell me coca-cola is worth zero dollars right but currencies have value let's just say the stock of coca-cola is zero dollars tomorrow okay i'm gonna tell you dude that's wrong and why am i gonna tell you that's wrong because they're making money their supply chain is they made twenty thousand dollars in revenue the last let's just pretend i'm making up numbers twenty thousand dollars the last but then why years. is any currency more Hold valuable on. than any other currency? They do that. But not only that, they also own machinery. They also own this that could produce this that could then be sold. So there's many ways to look at it and say, okay, it has values. When I look at Bitcoin, the only way I could value its value is 
I know that someone may pay me more of this in the future. That is intrinsically a value, a, but, a bubble. But within each coin has its own operating system. The main one right now is proof of work. And that's what you hear about mining. That's when proof of work is basically the hardest math question you could ever imagine is sent to your mind and it takes up 100% of the capacity and in turn that validates the transaction. That says this is a real thing. So if I told you Bitcoin tomorrow is $7, why would you be able to pitch me and tell me it's actually worth 12? Um, no, your only pitch to me is going to say, because I know it's worth more because someone may pay me more. But how is how is value derived of anything that's not a company then? How do you say a cash share, flow? Cash flow and ability to get close to cash. Then, wh then why? Value. So you think the whole industry of crypto, which is now roughly about a $2 trillion industry, is completely fugazi. That no, it's worthless. It will settle into prices based off of its application, like a dollar. But would you, okay, I'm with you on everything and we're on the same page. Is there a theory or is there a simulation where Ethereum is worth 60,000 a piece? Cause that's just how valuable it is. People only buy houses in Ethereum 27 years from now. And there are there also is like so much development in cryptography and in the way that these things can be integrated into society to really improve society. Could you see a world with that? Or is it only this pennies on the dollar type view? I could see a world with that, but everyone who's involved right now, or not everyone, that's a big statement, but the mentality of the involvers today is to treat this like a commodity and a flipping commodity. Anyone who's flipping oil as a commodity at the end of the day is understanding that someone needs to put the shit in their cars and they will pay a dollar amount for that. When you're talking to me now about a commodity that at the end of the day, I cannot tell you what that end that end dollar underlying thing is, then I run into some issues. I think we agree to disagree here. I agree with your applications, and I think you agree with my concerns. I do. I just have one more thing I want to break up. There's something I think you're discounting. In 2021, there is this weird thing where you have a company and then you have the people working for the company. And in something like Sears or something like Lord & Taylor, the waters are really muddled because the employees are really just like pieces of shit, dog shit employees, hamburger flippers. But could con on the contrary, these companies like Twitter and Ethereum are valuable not because of the 140 characters. They're not companies. They're decentralized. They're gone. They're not companies. Twitter is a company. Yes. And the value of Twitter is not so much in the coding of Twitter. Anyone could fucking do that. Some of the value well, is they in, have patents, um, but it isn't in that. You could do 100 million things. The value, a lot of it is in Jack Dorsey, the CEO, the vision of how Twitter is going to integrate into society. So I do think you're discounting the, the people who are behind Ethereum are so smart that they could actually leave Ethereum and start a new coin and and bring so and it would fucking hurt the first point ethereum so much i am putting this huge value on these players vitalik buter and justin son of tron these are these are the the revolutionary thinkers of tomorrow you know these are the 25 year olds they're not getting into politics they're getting into cryptography because this is the space of the future and their worth is so valuable that i just want to so get you just want to ride the ride with these guys sometimes the zuckerbergs of the world the but, so I hear you, and then at the end of the day, I say, fair, I think they're on to something, mm. but the laws of economics have never failed us in before. And when did, when was that most recently applicable? You would have been the sucker who told me in 2000 that 
all these fucking tech companies are going to be the greatest fucking thing of no, all time. No, I would have said 10 to 20 of them are going to be the greatest thing. And we would have had to pick correctly. And that's exactly what this is. We would have had to say Apple, Twitter, Facebook, not MySpace. We would have had to see that. So it's the same thing here. Come Rocket Dumpster Coin is not going to be getting swiped at ExxonMobil going into the Saudi prince's hand so he can murder Khashoggi. Okay? We're talking about maybe 10 coins are going to win out. And you and you and the people listening to this podcast better pick the right 10 ones because pancake swap might not work. Decentraland, it's not going to work. But maybe Dogecoin can be a tipping currency. And maybe your valet will only get Dogecoin and not have to pay taxes on it because the government, and again, a lot of these things. When it's a tipping currency, why would you then have the interest to, to hoard this thing? And, and buy it and speculatively like, buy it. Everyone just has it because that interest it. should be gone. You'd be done with that interest. It's now being flowed through. Who hoards dollars for the chance that dollars goes up? No one does that. You hoard gold for the chance of it going up for a couple reasons. But everyone hoards dollars to pay rent. And you can think of the same thing as Ethereum. You can get paid your salary in Ethereum. And then you'd be the same mechanism as dollar. It, it mean it, it, it. You want to put to, a roof over your head. Yeah, it's to be determined, I guess, what the... But when you're part of the dollar, you're basically part of the United States government, right? Why are you discounting that these are going to become countries? I'm not even fucking with you. You're not going to belong to this body of land, which is the most ridiculous thing of all you're time. You belong to this virtual country. Yeah, you're, they drew a cray. Columbus came over here, drew a crayon. This is my land. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You're going to belong to a digital country, and if your country is prosperous and successful, your currency is probably going to go up because people are like, I want that. And that's kind of what you see with the dollar. People are like, in Saudi Arabia, they're like, oh, we take the dollar at McDonald's. I don't want it. This is an interesting point. Okay. With that being said, Let's move obviously, on. it's a very hot topic. It's and we're Jewish. And we're Jewish. We're going to put the Bitcoin to rest. And Crypto is done. At crypto. We're finished or we're done. I think we're finished forever. Okay. Like, I can't even think about Let's crypto. revisit this time capsule in like six months. Yeah, I think part two of this follow-up conversation uh, just really needs to see how how much... Adoption. Adoption. Mainstream adoption. And the players like... Because Portnoy just adopted his currency. He picked a hat out of a fucking lottery. But we and always this talk thing's about gonna go up because of this. That's I'm never saying you're, you are right, but you we do need to differentiate between troll culture, which is a fuck you to the establishment, which it says Jamie Dimon and people who live in a country club, fuck you. That's what it's about. It's about you're not in charge anymore. You guys blew your opportunity. Banks are a, banks and the financial institution are a beautiful idea. Unfortunately, they started sucking the cartel's dick. They started working with Donald Trump, undervaluing property. So basically, the consumer, the the populace, the Dogecoin to the mooners are saying, you know what the hell with you? We're not going to allow you to, to make your dollar off our backs anymore. We're going to build a community of actual working class people. And we're actually going to all rise up together instead of Jamie Dimon not being able to understand how a $15 employee of his can't fucking put their kid through childcare. I hear you. I'm just here to say I'm screaming from the rooftops. History will always repeat itself. You are seeing some very unusual consumer trends out there, whether it's buying sports cards, buying this. Everyone's looking for the tokens. Non-fungible tokens. Crypto punks. Exactly. Crypto kitties. Crypto horses. Yes. Everyone's looking for this quick flip, this quick way to make a buck. It's very much in tune with our generation's mentality. Totally. And it's also accessible these days because you have the internet. You can press a button and, and give a shot at trying to make a buck. This thing... 
is the wild, wild rest right now. Mm. What happens is regulation comes in yeah. and it all goes to shit. And not because the wild, wild rest isn't good before. Like I said before, when there's buyers and sellers, just because someone's making 60K, there's another person on the fucking other who's end hurting. who's hurting. You don't realize this. I don't care about that. And it's going to be a problem because this is just manipulation to draw you in and just total. It's like a Vegas thing. It's like gambling. You're just going to. The house will always win. And here the house is going to win with those that have the data of who the clickbaits are getting, of which coins are going to get the most clickbait next week. Those people are going to beat you out. You little novice person. You're going to get scared. You're going to get emotional. You're going to be like, sell all my shit. I lost 40K. I think we beat the topic. I, I totally value everything you said. I think we just revisit it and we'll go sure. from there. I understand if you guys turn... want to forever delete this podcast yeah. after that very heated debate. And you can probably listen to Ellen. But let's move on to something. with David Dobrik. Yeah, so I think we should move on to something very light and much lighter, which is the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Yeah. You know, something just like... This is what I usually, when I go to, if I did have a normal person job, I would go to work and be like, hey, hear about that conflict in the Middle East? Nothing's like a great, uh, just like icebreaker ice than just talking a little bit about When I meet a new girl, I go, Hamas? <laughs> so what's going on right now? Because okay. this has taken over social media. There's yes. been a serious social media war. Um, on top of the actual physical war that's going on in the Middle East. Break down what's going on. Before we get into it, let's zoom out and talk about why this issue is being pushed by the media and by the public the way it is. Basically, as we've observed, the hot, woke thing to do on any array of topics is to get out in front of it and speak about why you're the wokest person on social media and why you're not part of the problem that 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 those people are drawing attention to. So to your question, what is going on? Basically, a lot of activists in the US are for the first time hearing about the reality of the conflict. And we will get into what the true reality is, not to say we know just what our reality is. So basically people are seeing it in a snapshot and they're having a vitriolic reaction to what they're seeing. They're seeing intense, and you, and we'll get you in just a second, intense military aggression from Israel, whether warranted or not. And then we're seeing Hamas and Palestine launching a very intense attack um, of un under sophisticated weapons against one of the most uh, industrialized cities, especially in the Middle East and the world. And that is a jarring thing to see as someone who lives in a New York City type area. Uh, that's just me getting it started. What, how, where do you essentially, how do you feel about that intro? And what do you feel about like how people are receiving the, 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 the content. I think that's the most interesting thing that's going on right now is the reaction you've gotten from the world is, and this has happened so many times. I remember growing up and it's always been a hot topic. This has always been the issue that everyone wants to chime in on. It's, it, it, it always feels like, it, it, it's not new that people take a side and and chime in and argue about this. And have thing. a hard stance. And have a hard stance. It's always been like this. But now with social media, it's so amplified. And we saw the same thing with BLM. It's very similar. But what happens with these same type of stances is they lead to some sort of violence, to some sort of anti-Semitic type sentiment, or sentiment the other way for people who then show disagreement. So what you're seeing is this is a massive wave of intensity over this war and it's becoming like i said in the intro it's becoming a, a war within a war a social media war that people are really waging against one another but let's, and it's so but i want to get a little more intense i want to get a little more granular with sure. uh, with our dissection of exactly the events that happened and i want to say i am a jewish american 
I am a descendant of my entire family being in the Holocaust. And, and with that said, I feel, I'm giving you my opinion, I feel disgusting and uncomfortable about the military aggression I am seeing from Israel. Why am I, why am I, or how, is that valid to feel that way? And I think it's misguided to feel that way. Okay, go. And the reason it's misguided is because one thing, the first thing has to happen, which is we have to accept Israel's right to exist in its current situation. Okay, but I, I okay, dude, I, I can't hear that sentence anymore because it's just like, oh yeah, what about the, obviously, you guys keep saying that, stop saying that. So Israel, obviously Israel withdrew from Gaza like 10 years ago, in what, 2005. What, what were they doing there prior? Because it is a place that continuously cultivates wars, okay, stockpiles we, weapons, and that's true, through that's true. international pressure, they were told you've got to pull out and stop monitoring this place, which they do. Okay, so, so now what happens that. as a result? They but, pull out. But we need it. So I'm with you so far. They pull out, but now they just continue this vicious cycle. Iran funds them. Yes. They give them the weapons. And every summer, it pretty much happens almost every summer, except the four summers under Trump, because they know this motherfucker's absolutely psycho. We're not and he'll send in jets if that happens. But, so, but every year before that, it pretty much happens. So the Holocaust happens, and the Israeli people are actually like. Like it's one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the humanity, and they're fucked. And we need to say we kind of need to help them out. And they're offered their original holy land, which is a very controversial thing because like land is just a piece of fucking land. It's not holy. Shut the fuck up. What do you feel about the Palestinian gripe that they've been pushed into this box? It's a very complex issue. It's hard to speak on we because have to get it's into super it. complex. But at the end of the day, start of the day. At the start of the day, that pre nineteen forty eight, pre Israel being Israel, okay, this was a place that was really a nothing, and somewhere where a bunch of nomads and from the Arab world, these were Jordanians, Syrians, and Egyptians that just happened to dwell. Was it called in this, Palestine? It was called so Palestine relates to the Philistines, okay, which are unrelated to the current sect of people that are living there. We're, Philistines, essentially, it was deemed this because of that tie, that the Philistines are the Pelishtim in the Bible. But were they living, like, if you were to... No, they were not living under a thing saying, we are the Palestinians. That is made up. But it was pre-internet, so I do want to give the benefit. It's hard to get a full understanding. Were they spread out throughout the country, like, very widely? Like, this was their shit. No, there was random groups of people. There was random groups of Jews, Christians... Egyptians, Syrians, also all living in, uh, and dwelling in this territory. Okay, so they're in this territory, and they're obviously... British ruled territory. And, and when the Jews come, how does it go? I do need to... Uh, we do need so to get this granular. The left at that point, obviously, links to any sort of sob story. And at the time, the Jews were a sob story. Toast the Holocaust. The worst sob story the in the history of the world. So everyone was very sympathetic, and they gravitated towards saying, this is a great idea to give this land to the Jewish people. Not only because they have nowhere to go, but also because inherently they have been here. They were the first people one of the first people to be in this land. So it makes a lot of sense. It There's, makes sense, but it's... You it look at archa archaeology, like there is serious ties to this place. I'm, I totally agree so with you, but it just but it, makes sense. It does make sense. It makes more sense there than sending them to Nigeria. It does make more sense, but wouldn't you... We have to go full double side as we, as we progress forward. Yes. Wouldn't you say it puts the people that live there in a hard spot? You're like, these people who we don't like, that's just the deal. We don't like them, they don't like us, at least at that time. Now they're living in our country, and as it, as we go forward, 
they, the Israelis or the Jewish people take over the whole land except these two little places, right? Not so little, but okay. The population that was very widely spread out pre the Jewish people coming is now condensed into these areas. Do we agree? Sure. Why? So I'm a huge fan of this guy, Hassan. He's on Twitch. By the way, no, they're not condensed. There's plenty of Arab Israelis living throughout Israel, and you can live in a Jewish country just like we live in a Christian country. Totally. And you can live in, what's it called? And you're more than welcome. You have all the freedoms in the world. The problem is it's not about them living. They can live in Israel peacefully. They could, but they don't want that. It's not about that. And at the end of the day, if you, if they can't accept, okay, Jewish people, and that's why I bring it back to the same thing. Seven million of the 14 million Jews in the world live in Israel. It's important to stand against the issues that caused the Holocaust in the first place, which is the issue that caused all of us in the first place is that the Jewish people didn't have a place to protect themselves. We'll explain after this why Israel is so critical to the Jewish people. Part three, the Gilgamesh. We are back. Part three, Epic of Gilgamesh Politics podcast. We are three legs deep, diving deep into the Palestinian-Israel conflict and just hot, hotly debated topic I right now. I have to urinate like a racehorse. Yeah. But, but this is part of the epics of Gilgamesh. Exactly. That's part of it. We're, we we want to put the disclaimer out. We are two Jewish Americans, but we are trying to be as objective as possible and ask thought-provoking questions on the topic to further discussion, as well as give our input on how we're feeling. And then we'd love to hear from you, whether it's in Ireland, England, uh, Macedonia, Uzbekistan, uh, and Mars. Re- and refer to us as he, she, they, them, and meatball. Well, that's yours. Mine are he. I've been thinking about this a lot and tweeting about it a lot because I'm just trying to nail down what mine are. I think I'm going with he, him, his pancake. Because sometimes when I wake up, I'm just like, I I kind of like push my, like kind of by my shoulder, my arm. I'm like, I'm a pancake. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, fucking hell, I'm not a pancake. And it's this <laughs> ever evolving. And I'm like, I'm he, him, his. And then I'm like so embarrassed and whatever. But yeah, that's where we're at. And Basically, Jordan is just going to keep furthering the conversation about why why Israel has a right to exist, which is the phrase I can't stand, but you can go with. It's such a cliche phrase that everyone in this viral, like, social media war kind of hits you with these videos, uh, with these, like, say these cliche sayings. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 300, 3,000 rockets fired into your backyard. What would you do? What would you do? (laughs) Geraldo! And no, I get the gun. I, I know. And these things, that's what's so sad is like, because it's such a real life event that, uh, the TV anchors are just, just like using talking points. Exactly. There's like talking points that just are being hit on both sides. But at, at the, the bottom line is, okay. The creation of Israel, okay. in my opinion, is a beautiful thing. Okay. Because you have Christian states, you have all over the world Christian states. You have many of them. Hundreds. Yes. And you have Muslim states. Hundreds of Muslim states. And you have different states that serve different mission statements. And Israel has a very clear cut mission statement. What is it? It was created post Holocaust. Okay. Because Jews have historically been persecuted. That's Unfortunately, fast. it has created serious refugee problems in the past. In the past. When this has occurred. It hasn't happened since the Holocaust. Right. And the beautiful maybe thing about that is because 
Israel's mission statement is we will always take you in. If France gets toxic, we will take you in. If U.S. gets toxic, we will take you in. Wherever it may be, they will take you in. And a lot of people do take, I wouldn't say take advantage of it, but real, uh, they do go do it. I went to Israel. That is what happens. And for me, that is a cause worth fighting for. So any sort of, yes, you could be critical of Israeli government, Israeli politics. We're getting to that one right way now. or the other. But to be critical of Israel in its essence, which a lot of people have questioned this and said it's unjust and wrong. And that's where I take real offense to because Israel, you should everyone should agree and not just clichely say this that israel has a right to exist because its mission statement is so important and to oppose the only one little sliver new jersey sized jewish state is wrong let it be let it succeed let the jewish people live there in peace and don't wage war and don't attack them with rockets okay that's all i'm asking for so we're on the same page there we need it we're going to get into it and i was about to bring up on episode two of the epic of gilgamesh that one of my favorite twitch presenters or creators is hassan he's one of by far the most 30,000 congruent viewers at any moment and he's really been breaking down the conflict from the palestinian point which i think is totally welcomed because there's an overwhelming amount of jewish voices in uh, in the media, there's an overwhelming amount of both voices everywhere. I think it's fair to say that you're getting voices on both sides. Okay, but he was really bringing up the disproportionate use of force between modern-day Israel and modern-day Gaza Strip. I would like to hear your – because the death total, we have to look at it, is about 10 to 1 people in Gaza are dying uh, – compared to people in Israel. What do you say about critics who say there's a disproportionate use of force? Netanyahu is a totalitarian psychopath. Some people say that. What do you say? There's no such thing as proportionality in a form of defense. And we have this in our current legal system here, that if someone attempts to stab you with a knife, but you take an AR-15 and shoot them 500 times in the chest, there's no way to equivocate the proportionality one person is at risk and the response doesn't have to be a proportional you don't have to equally take back that one knife and stab them back. but i'm saying it's it's 10 to 1. but there's no that's my whole point I the response doesn't have to be proportionate so another one and of their the problem, critiques is that gaza is an open air prison i hear that all the time in fox news on cnn on msnbc open air prison can you kind of expound upon that terminology, is that true? Is that a product of Israel and where you stand on it? So it, like I said before, Israel withdrew from Gaza. There's Why two, were the, there's were they two doing territories. Their prior? There's Gaza and there's the West Bank. The Palestinian Authority, the PLO, runs They're, that's the like West a, Bank. a governing body. Governing body. They haven't had elections in over 15 years. What's going on? They were about to have elections this time. What, recently? Right before this. And again, this is kind of, I don't like to get into these things because you know, it's he said, she said, but some people say that acts of war sometimes can develop momentum behind the current government. Everyone says that. Yes. And so there was a thought process that maybe they waged war to avoid the Who chance. waged war? The Palestinians. Palestinians. What did they do by waging war? They started firing rockets that were provided from Iran into Israel territory, which is not allowed by any other country in the world. And they no said that this was that. a response to. Do you, if you accept Israel's border, then you do not accept that notion of firing rockets. Do you accept that notion of firing rockets into Israel? If you accept their borders, you should not. But that's I'm I we're on the same page. But I want to go devil's advocate. Israel 
And I know there was a huge hiatus of military aggression. I think it's almost like seven years, right? Or something really crazy of like real military aggression, right? Or is that not true? I can't comment on, I don't know the ins and outs, but, but all I know is higher level speaking there at it's so to me, it's so simple. The solution it's not, it's pretty simple. We've seen is, it. Do you think Israel has a problem with Arabs? No, we're cool with Egypt. We were, I love Egypt. Trump we're was cool. making a lot of progress, but yeah. the, the, these people will say that the, the critics will say that that was Fugazi and that was a, a, a very elitist type royal connection and not authentic to the people of those nations. It's very simple. What needs to happen in these places is you need moderate voices to start becoming not the very suppressed minority, but an actual normal 10%, 15%, 20%. If that could get support, Israel will support that movement. They will say it is great for but our why is it an open air prison. That's it's an open say. air prison because they spend all their money not on infrastructure; they spend it on weapons. And I heard and Hassan say like their infrastructure that they do have gets completely ruined every time they do this because it's stupid. Don't fucking do this; it's dumb. But I, focus on your education. Focus on everything that normal civilized destroys. If we gave you guys a country today, which is fine, it's not even giving you a country. You can have a country today. But if you have a country and you wage war against us. It's just going to be a terrorist country waging war against a non-terrorist country. I hate to keep using Hassan. He's just such a really cool, sure, good, I don't care. good person. He says that they don't build up Gaza Strip because Israel just is so crazy with bombings. And I want you to address this. Every time Israel bombs someone, Netanyahu or the voice of Israel will say, we did bomb them. But two things. One, we called them. And I don't know. When the fuck they thought that this is something that goes on in war that makes what you're doing right? It's not right. It's disgusting. And two, every single bomb is a Hamas destination. It's it's, it's it can't be true. It cannot be true. So is that why? So my question to you, and I see you're shaking your head, which is fine, is why is every time Israel bombs something, it's a Hamas destination? It's a Hamas five star resort. But every time Hamas fires, it's a war crime. It's an act of war. How do you see the delineation between because the two? Because you don't understand what it's like to live in this area. Bella Hadid, I welcome you. Go there with your belly shirt. Walk around. <laughs> what would happen to Demi Lovato? If no. she like went up to him and said, hey, like I'm pansexual, how do you feel? Walk around there with your belly shirt yeah. for what would happen? Eight hours. What would happen? Your head will be on a pitchfork. Why do you, that might be, is that true though? This is true. Because some people would accuse that of being like just demonizing the enemy and making them into barbarians. Are you sure? They are run by a very aggressive. First of all, it is, they're in cahoots with Iran. If you do that in Iran too, if you go there with a belly shirt. Demi Lovato can't perform in Iran, you're saying. Demi Lovato cannot perform in Iran. Can if Katy Perry kiss a girl? You and have like to it. wear a, a, a hijab when you walk in the streets. So no, it, it's the same ideology there. So do you if think you this go, is a mistake of the information war that you were alluding to earlier? That we're that the Israel side isn't kind of speaking to the, you know, lack of progressivism in the uh, Hamas area or Palestinian area. A message that tries to get pushed through, which is so. And this is the ironic part: is the left is kind of at a standstill here. It's like. Okay, the sob story is left is trying to find the new, right. new cool anti-colonialism movement. Right, and that's, that what, that's how we preface this is that's the that is like the subconscious motivation. We need to find who's being bad, 
Who? How can we say we're good? We're good. I did not fucking watch porn to some nasty shit before. Way, I don't do that. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, and so anti-colonialism, the left is super critical of U.S.'s colonialism, colonialist history, right? right. And this too feels to them like a modern day colonialism thing that how is it not hypercritical about how is it not because what you're talking about is once upon a time a society that was, was only refugees in 1948 right that you are now critical because they found success in the standpoint of building up infrastructure and normalcy and having rights for people come on that is not something to be critical of that is something that should be celebrated and this is a toxic thing it's it, it, it makes you feel that everyone is destined to fail. That if anyone does something right, if they turn from a shithole fucking place to a normal place, that that will then be torn down and told you that you're evil. Well, that is what we see on social media all the time. And that concept is propagated by smart people at, and to say, be wary. Joe Rogan gets it all the time. Uh, anyone who gets a little bit of clout, Addison Ray, Charlie D'Amelio, totally. these people are ripped down, ripped down. So it's just like I totally am with you on that concept. But again, I just want to get back to open air prison. It's a, the the public opinion is it's not clear. No one knows what to do. As a Jewish American, I don't know how to feel. Let's start talking about. So a ceasefire was just agreed on. What is a realistic path forward? What does that look like from the Palestinian side? What does that look like from the Jewish side? And then I also kind of want to talk about how should how should American Jews feel if we're getting disproportionately hated on? And I know there's a difference between getting being in a bomb shelter and getting hated on. But do you think that the Israeli people, who I've been very critical of the way that they have kind of lacked adapting to the modern world, and I have no problem with people dressing in old clothing, you know, I don't, what's a, what's a good Israeli way? Israeli people, I don't know what that means. Israeli people are... Hasidic, every, Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn that are... That is are a some, very small sect of Israel. Hasidic Jews... Israel is a collection went, of every type of person. I went to Israel, and I would say the Hasidic Jews that are in Brooklyn are a some portion of the kind of people that live in Israel. They're very small good... Percentage. They're very good people. They're very loving people, but no doubt they are rude as fuck. They dress like fucking... 1400s and they have not adapted how do you feel if americans are starting to say how about you guys modernize your society a little bit so we don't we're not the fucking laughing stock of the world how do you feel about that opinion as someone who didn't have the religious upbringing that you have okay you're very misguided here unfortunately and you're misguided for one reason is i could break down the stats of what type of sex of people live in israel but what does this take tel aviv alone okay tel aviv is, is like a new york city miami let's talk let's talk about jerusalem Jerusalem, too, is very Jerusalem. divided. You have trendy areas of Jerusalem. You have old quarters of Jerusalem. You have religious quarters of Jerusalem. You have Arab quarters in Jerusalem. Mm. You have Christian quarters. You have Armenian quarters in Jerusalem. You have every type of different people within this country. There's no one type of person. No. So a stereotype of someone wearing a black hat or whatever is a wrong perception. But to your other point of how we can progress this thing forward, to me, it's very simple. You cannot talk to anyone who's not a moderate, normal person. The Israeli government is not a radical, uh, fascist, uh, 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 religious government. It is by no means. It has. It's a parliamentary system that has representations of Arabs, Jews, Orthodox Jews, non-religious Jews, Christians. Like? It's across the spectrum. I don't have the data. No, not the issue. I'm saying. But it is across the spectrum. 
You know, well, Netanyahu like, has been in power for a long time, has he not? And that's part of our system. In a parliamentary system similar to England, you have to develop a coalition. You have to overthrow that government. So and when someone like goes. him goes on TV and they say, you know, Bibi Netanyahu, you have serious charges against you. You have corruption charges. You have all this. And he is a very smart man and says, you know, my brother was killed in war. How do you feel that people like me are supposed to grapple with that, that he will not take accountability for the things he's being charged with. He will not even address them and may, and then convert. And then on top of that, what you brought up about the Palestinians rallying themselves up for war. See, see, you're talking about proportionality, but you're not being proportionate. And that's the problem. You're so hypercritical of Israel's leader for reasons of, of things that are so minor. His, his, you know what his corruption was based off? His wife was spending too much money on decorating their house. It's, not, is what the it's not about the crime. It's but about, talking, it's about but then you're him. not being, hold on, you're not being proportionate. You want to talk about proportionality about death? Talk about proportionality about governments. The, their government is totally radical. They wage war. They call for, you have Bella Hadid in the streets chanting to the river, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That means from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. That is all of Israel. That means you want to wipe off Israel. That That's is what the is, chant is. That is the for. chant. So you so you're saying there's no peace possible. That is what they chant, and that's what they teach each other in schools. If you see the rhetoric that is being taught, there is no form of path forward for them. And that's why I say the only path forward is for them to develop a a consensus, small group of moderates within it that says we don't want to keep doing this vicious cycle because what they do is they are in bed with Iran, they stockpile weapons, they wage war against Israel. Israel has to. Uh, soften the blow, and they Israel buys themselves time for two years till they restockpile. It's a stupid, vicious cycle. Until they're not willing to do that, we don't have a conversation. It just seems like that. I hear you, and I hear you on all that. It just seems optically that's going to not be so good for Israel because I want to bring up the Al Jazeera building that was bombed, and I would love to get your opinion on it. Basically, I don't know the I don't know if it was Al Jazeera or if it was CNN who was doing an interview, and in the background, you see a normal building like you would see in New York City just falling. Do you not have a little, where do you fall on having sympathy for the people who have to live in Gaza? And it's, it really is this destruction. So do you feel bad for them? Do you want to work with them? I know you just said the thing about like conservative government and, and that, but like just from a humanitarian standpoint, how do you feel about the average person living in that area? How do you feel about the average people person living in North Korea? How do you feel about the average person living in Iran? How do you feel about those average people? Probably not good. I feel like they're probably suppressed. But those people who are very angry. They're angry at Israel, especially in North Ga Korea. No, Gaza, not North Korea. Okay. Well, why? Get angry at your government. You have a government that can focus on your infrastructure, focus on your education. No one is preventing this from you. Israel would love a partner. It's good for their national security if all their partners, like what we did with Egypt is great for Israel's national security. They want that, but that's not what they want. Isn't it such a simple thing to better, to understand? So why aren't you mad? You should, I am, I am, I am. I totally, dude, my personal opinion is also that I don't give a fuck about them. They should get their own shit together and pick themselves but do up. But you see that lack of equivalency that you don't of get? Of course. You, why aren't you blame North Korea's government for the suffering of their people, but you don't blame their government? Why is it on I Israel? Think, there think, is no occupation. They pulled out of this territory so long ago. The only thing is they are in Israel. This country is, or territory is in Israel. And so they is pose a, a serious national security threat. Is a two-state solution viable? Where, where, if they where Israel will have to give up a lot of land. We've done this. 
We've They've done, done this? this? Yes. But when I look at the geographic topography, I see 98% Israel, 2% Palestinian. The current status of the land is not to be changed. We have done this many times and it doesn't yield anything. So something that you'd brought up to me that I'd never really heard is why don't, what do you think about the idea of these Palestinians redistributing amongst the Arab world? We kind of spoke about how Israel is the sole, the sole Jewish state and especially in the region. What do you think about the idea of Palestinians spreading out with freedom to the Arab nations? It's very offensive to those people by you saying that to them. Is it? It is. It's like you telling Mike Pence to go live in the Vatican. That would be like what you're, you're basically proposing. But I'm you're proposing like, Yo, you like people. You're like Mike Pence. You love Christianity. Why don't you go live in Vatican City? That seems extreme. Well, that's I'm what saying, you're wow, Why don't they go to Iran, Afghanistan? Because you're Uzbekistan. proposing the same thing. You're saying they just because these are Arab countries also, you should go live there. It is fine with them living there. It's more than fine. They have, they're welcome to live there. Arab Israelis are also more than welcome to live in Jerusalem and everywhere and vote in our elections. And they could vote for whoever. But Israel has to maintain a Jewish state because its mission statement is so critical and so uh, is, is useful for the alternative. There's no alternative out there. If there was like six other Jewish countries, then you could start telling me, okay, like, let's compromise here and figure out a way there. This is the only one. This is the only one. So let's let this be. It's it's great. It's a world player. It does great on the world stage. It provides tech to the world. It allows for all rights. You can walk in Tel Aviv in a complete man thong and nothing will happen to you. Which is what we're all about. And it's surprising that people don't support that stance more. And so I feel... You said my sympathy. I have sympathy for the people of that. And my hate gets directed towards their government. Shit government that hijacks them because they have radical agendas to take over Israel. And it's a stupid war worth fighting. And Bella Hadid, for you, fight, and Gigi Hadid, Talk for, to her. for you fighting Talk this to war, her. you're participating. You're, by you fighting this war and supporting that government, you are essentially calling for the destruction of Israel. And do you stand for that? I don't stand for it. I think they're in a very tough place, similar to me being a Jewish American descendant of Holocaust uh, survivors. They are the descendants of people who might, I know their family is from that area originally, right? Yeah, probably. At least in theory. They might have the same displacement theory. So I sympathize with that and I completely understand them wanting to give a voice to the region, especially even if the disproportionate thing, like you really did break it down well, but but I still think like, if your people are getting fucking bombed really intensely and the other side is kind of chilling, that's kind of shitty. So there's I, no such thing as bombed really intensely. If if a hundred million people are dying at one place and sixty people are dying somewhere else, it's not the same to me. What's not the same is that Israel has defense mechanisms to blow up their acts of aggression. So what do you think about Stop Bernie Sanders just just today, I believe, introduced a major piece of legislation blocking, I want to get the number right, 780 million, I think, defense to Israel. It might be billion, it might be million or billion. How do you feel about the U.S. hard left introducing legislation to stop Israel from getting these defensive weapons? The whole thing is a joke, and it's sad. The fact that people can't just take this thing from its core, which is Iran is channel is funneling all this thing through Hamas. Why is Bernie Sanders not irate over Iran He's and irate over Hamas for causing their people to die by 
them being aggressors towards Israel. That is where your energy needs to be channeled. I'm not trying to be an unreasonable person. I'm just saying, like, dude, Israel, two days before they started firing rockets, was not living, not in occupying Gaza and not doing anything. I have to address the American Jews. I have a serious, I have a real, Please. I have to have a real talk with them. American Jews. To anyone who wants to speak on this issue, by all means, totally. I think you have every right to. I'd love to hear your opinion. But what I have witnessed is a bunch of self-loathing internet sycophants who are like, I put my mezuzah over my door in my new building and then someone walked by and shook their head and I went inside and shut the fuck up. Yes, we live in a Christian country. We are not gonna be seen as the majority. We are gonna be seen as a little niche. Not everything is fucking doomsday against you. Live your life. No one is saying shit to you and go on. So to the American Jews who are posting every day, you're losing the war. You're you're coming off elitist and horribly. You're coming off like you don't give a fuck. You, you keep repeating the same talking points. Israel has a right to defend itself. 3,000 rockets, shut the fuck up. You need to get a little more granular. You need to give your real opinion on why, kind of like what you did, and I think it really resonates with me, but the nonstop proliferation of post, 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 look, you're not seeing this in the media. I'm, you're not seeing, you're not, shut up. Like, you're not, we get it. We get it, and I'm not dismissing your side of it, but it comes off horribly, and it is no doubt contributing, manifesting to the military aggression and all of that. So as an American Jew, okay. you are now getting lumped into affiliation with Israel. Yeah. How do you feel about people targeting you anti-Semitically saying, fuck you, your country is doing x y and z make my day and try that because i'm fucking ready and i will defend myself and how uh, what about to those people though that who don't want it who can't defend themselves and i are feel horribly and are 70 years old and getting attacked because they're just jewish i feel horribly i love the jewish people i love what we stand for and i feel horribly and i don't think any sane person would do that but we are in an insane time with irrational actors and, and does this make you feel the necessity for israel is stronger or lesser Sorry? Does that sentiment towards hate towards Jews tied to Israel it, make you feel that the necessary, the Israel is more necessary or less necessary? After going to Israel, I completely understand. After the horrific things that happened to Jewish people, I completely understand. And I hate to be the guy who keeps whining about the past because African-Americans went through the worst thing ever. Uh, the Japanese in America went through the worst thing ever with the internment camps. So a lot of people have suffered. But after I went to Israel, I really realized that it is nice to have a small New Jersey-sized place where if shit did hit the fan, you know, like kind of the ideals we have in America are still going to uh, hold true in a country that will accept me. So I totally think it's good. I just think optically the American Jews really need to change their tune because I'm not saying their core message isn't right by no means. You have every right to think that and do it, but the way you present it needs to be more inclusive, more understanding and less elitist. And until they start doing that, this is a very dual pronged war, but like you laid out very nicely between social media and then the actual war that's going on in real life. And it's very intense and it's very complicated and, and I don't see an end in sight and that scares me. And, and that's where we're at. Last point, tying this whole wave of social media uh, avalanche to BLM and kind of these movements that we're seeing. What can we take away from these just social media, uh, just everyone chiming in, yeah. it getting super toxic yeah. and the toxicity of right. these things leading to 
crime on both sides, right. violence on both sides, very, very impassioned individuals on both sides. What can we say about a society that's kind of turned less about dialogue and a little more into violence over things like this. So totally, I think you laid it out well. I think what we can say is something that I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast by the famous comedian Dave Chappelle. He said, I live my life by the principle that everyone's a good person. And that's kind of what I think we should start doing. Have the assumption that thy neighbor is not a racist. I think that was a horrible thing that the Democrats manifested during the Trump era was that, oh my God, if you're not voting for us, you're a fucking racist. No. I, like Dave Chappelle, believe most people are good. Most people are trying to earn a good life and provide a good thing for their family. So that's what I would say we should lead with. Start, because again, the core of BLM is good. What we saw with George Floyd was horrendous. Even if he was like a criminal person and did some bad shit, disproportionate use of force. And again, irrelevant of the verdict and everything like that. These movements were needed and their cause is like justified. However, the disproportionate looting and craziness thereafter is not valid but again back to that dave Chappelle point if you start believing that your neighbor's a good person i'm a good person i'm trying my best i'm gonna make mistakes i'm gonna say stuff that's perceived some way but i know i'm a good person that's what we can ground ourselves in the last point is the difference between a helpless george floyd who was murdered right versus the guy in atlanta who stole the taser and then pointed it at a cop and then was killed. Yeah. To me, the secondary one is much closer to Israel than the first one. Totally. Meaning, when someone is ultimately provoking or putting you at risk, the use of proportionality starts to go out the window. It, it can. It like, can I'm at least open window. to that conversation. And that's what we're seeing here. And I think that's something that the left needs to start accepting more and being more sympathetic to the person who in this case was the police officer who is in a very tough note, went lose, lose situation. He has either to be killed or be subdued or something, or he has to make a really tough decision. Kind of what he And you're up seeing for. the same thing with Israel and the Israeli government when they are now being provoked from Hamas. We love you guys. This was the Epic of Gilgamesh. Epic.